Good evening, everyone. This is Jerry Lee standing in for the Manifester, and we are so happy to have you with us tonight. And we're looking forward to an exciting time. Lots and lots of uh, things are uh, happening on the horizon of this manifested word, and uh, <clears throat> it's just extremely interesting from uh, day to day, week to week, month to month, the people that are, um, are contacting us and that are expressing uh, an uh, astounding uh, interest uh, in this word. Uh, they are reading it, they are applying it, and they seem to be understanding it. And I am just um, so pleased for this kind of interest because I know that is part of the wellspring that must spring up and uh, cause a flowing of God's people to come together. <clears throat> I know that there are God's people who are out there and actually uh, large numbers who are hungry for this word. Uh, there are thousands and I believe millions of people that if they had the chance to um, know about this word uh, it would it would um, it would just be an excitement to them they would want to be here they would want to be listening uh, they, would, they would want to be tuned in and hearing these things that belong to the Word of God so uh, just Keep your mind in prayer, because those days are coming. Now today, there was an extremely interesting um, message that was put on uh, the, um, uh, the, the blog, and uh, the name of it is called Divine Tools for Understanding the Bible. And for you people that have really wanted to get into the... Um, the deep word and the understanding of uh, many of the signs and symbols and uh, things uh, that are in the Bible that uh, have been difficult to understand. This is is definitely a um, a blog that will be very 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 helpful to you. <coughs> so. It is an exciting time. It is a, a moment of moments, and uh, we're going to um, we're going to talk today about um, the wars, the angel wars, and we're going to um, really cover a lot of subjects. Um, I just uh, want you to hang in there and listen attentively and carefully, because uh, we're going to open up some seals here today. And uh, we're going to open up uh, the book of little things. We're going to open up the mind. Uh, it is the moment. It is the time for Christ to be glorified. It is the time of the former and latter rain unto all the earth. And not that this will be the last former and latter rain. Because seasons follow seasons and times follow times. And... Um, <clears throat> Deliverances and experiences follow deliverances and experiences. In the past, people have become so confused and so um, calendared on how they have been told events are to occur and are to happen. 
And in following those schedules of events, many, many people have been very, very disappointed and not been able to understand why that it seems that given times and events uh, are so evading uh, of uh, the track line to which they have been presented. Well, uh, I can tell you why that is. Because people have tried to apply the Word of God uh, to be understood in a only in a limited physical sense only, instead of understanding that the main objective of the Bible is about the Spirit, and that the um, Scripture tells us that the end of time, that part of us that's going to ascend and return to God is our spirit. It doesn't say anything about our physical body uh, ascending and being preserved. Uh, We are not saying that that is uh, for certain um, terminations and for certain um, applications uh, a temporary uh, possibility because there are Uh, times in which our physical body can be transported to another realm. And uh, in that sense, (coughs) for the temporal period of time, no no matter how many years that that would be, uh, it can live on. But in the ultimate ultimate sense of that final translation, uh, what will ultimately be translated is our spirit. And that is the part that returns to God who gave it, as the Bible puts it. Now, um, I've had people send me some questions which I have not had the time to answer because, um, frankly speaking, we've had quite a time with our computers. And I had uh, two basically brand new computers that um, I finally had to take back. And um, I ended up buying a very uh, outstanding Mac uh, model. And I think that I may have found an answer. I think I may have found a unit that uh, uh, will uh, stick with us and and uh, help us to make um, uh, all, all these uh, unique kind of, uh, of um, changes and, and add-ons uh, uh, of uh, software uh, so that all the things that we have in mind to be put into effect can be put into effect. So we're praying about that and we'll just see. Okay, let's talk just down to earth, not in a necessarily preaching style or evangelistic style uh, or even a teaching style. Let's just sort of down to earth talk about these Bible things. Now, the Christian people have been told uh, quite a few uh, scenarios of expectation. And in these scenarios of expectation, uh, there are followings that um, have basically been uh, brainwashed uh, by the hearing of these uh, concepts over and over again uh, from uh, young um, Sunday school grades all the way up into adulthood. And uh, they have just accepted those things as fact and the expected reality. But I'm here today to tell you that uh, many, many of those things that they have heard um, 
barely, if at all, fit into the 30-fold. Most of those things, uh, in many occasions, may not even fit into even the, the lowest level of, of, uh, of application uh, to the interpretation of the scriptures, which would be the 30-fold. After that, you move to the 60-fold. After that, you move to the 100-fold, the three different levels of interpretation. And there are three different levels of, of the time that it is allocated for many of these different kinds of events to happen. Now, uh, when a person only believes that uh, they are going to um, live the life that they are living now, and when that life is done, they're going to go and be in heaven with, with, with Christ, and with the saints, and uh, and all their tears are going to be washed away, and that's going to be the end of it. That's how it's going to end, and it's going to be uh, forever and ever and ever. The people that have come to believe that um, are not believing it as the Scripture teaches it. That is not what the Bible teaches, and and there is a a fundamental and and uh, gross lack of understanding that. We have to be aware of the star time that this earth and the people that live on this earth must be aware of and cognizant of. Otherwise, you cannot apply the facts to the reality. And when you don't apply the facts to the reality, uh, bridges are missing, roads are missing, trailways are missing, and uh, you end up in a confused twirl. We want to bring you beyond all of that shuffling and all of that confusion. And if you are willing to dedicate your ears to hearing this word, then you will be able to hear the way that it really is. You will be able to hear the real revelation that is co-signed uh, of, of the evidence of the jig and the puzzle fitting piece by piece, joint to joint. You will be able to see the proof in the fact that there is a layout of linking, and that when you see this layout of linking, uh, it, it just all uh, clears the head and makes the person to, to have an affiliation with uh, the inner spiritual confidence uh, that you are now on board uh, to to a, a track that is heading where you you are supposed to be heading. So we number one barrier we have to first get onto this ship of time which I talked about uh, last uh, um, broadcast and I, I've done some some uh, uh, blogs on it. But we, we we've got to get onto that. We've got to understand that um, we are in a universe. We live in a universe. And in this universe that we live, uh, we are in star time. And we're talking about when, when scientists are, and astronomers look back into time as they can do with their telescopes, and they, they go back billions of years. This universe has been around for a long, long time. This is star time. And many of the things, even on our our, our planet, uh, 
you know, go back uh, for hundreds and thousands and thousands of years, millions of years, actually, and and uh, and and billions of years. So, if we cannot relate to this understanding of the longevity of time, then the missing angle for opening up the power of God's word and the truth of God's word will forever be a complication. You have to understand that you're going to be active in the long time of this universe. And you have to understand that this business of being told that the the earth is about to end. I've just recently heard uh, people getting on and broadcasting. There are more earthquakes now than there has ever been. Uh, there is more problems than there has ever been. There's more crime than there has ever been. And just a lot of these things that they are saying is not statistically true in the fair sense of comparison. For instance, uh, when you look into this thing with the earthquakes, uh, they basically will tell you that there is not really an increase of earthquakes. There are just tremendous amount of earthquakes that are happening uh, all the time. And they, and they go through different trends and, um, and cycles. And if you happen to be in a cycle where uh, they are, are happening uh, as a result of, of uh, uh, you know, various uh, tectonic plate shifts uh, or uh, other kinds of uh, overlapping uh, pressures, um, then, you know, uh, you'll get these, these uh, terrible earthquakes, but that won't mean that those are more acute than any other earthquakes that have ever been on, uh, happened on the earth. Or sunspots. People say, oh, there's sunspots. And, but if they would just really take the time scientifically to go back and check the sunspots, they'll see there have been some terrific sunspots, huge, uh, troublemaking type of sunspots uh, in the history of the past. And you have to also understand that it's only fairly recent that humankind has been recording uh, some of these events. So they don't have the longest record that would be beneficial for us to have because they have not uh, had the capability to record them as they are uh, now doing, or hopefully and apparently doing. So we've got to get this straight uh, when people say this is the end. We've got to get this straight when... when uh, People, I don't care if they're if they're just uh, Christian people uh, or ministers or priests, and they're telling you that according to Matthew 24 or some of the other uh, gospels uh, that Jesus is teaching, you know, the end of the world, and uh, and that it is uh, the proof of it is that there are going to be earthquakes in diverse places, be famines, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and men's hearts failing them for fear. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you fall into that trap of deceit, then uh, you are tied up just like a mummy is tied up. And you are limited uh, for being able to be engaged in finding the truth because you've been mummified uh, by a word that is not true. Because Jesus did not say that. And it's not to be found in the Gospels the way that it is being preached. What Jesus did say 
when you really understand his teaching, was that, like the poor, you will have the poor with you always. That was the point he made. You're always going to have the poor. And he was saying that same kind of thing about, you know, uh, basically you're living here in, in the subduction zone. You're living here in the Tartaru. And on this earth, you know, you're going to be subject uh, to, to the transit uh, moving of asteroids and comets. And occasionally there's going to be some of those uh, uh, hit the earth. You're going to be subject to earthquakes because of the shifting mantle of the earth and, and the, the whole uh, iron magnetic core uh, of the earth and all the uh, uh, attributes that the very making of the earth adds to the potential for all of these things to occur. And um, uh, it is, of course, some of these gigantic volcanoes that have actually uh, have actually created beautiful new islands like Hawaii and and uh, and some of the soils that have come from volcanoes have been have created some of the most uh, wonderful soils for planting that can even be imagined. So uh, many many times, uh, beautiful things are born out of violent things. Uh, this idea that you hear, hear people uh, teach, uh, oh, you know, the atomic bomb, now that we never before did we have the atomic bomb, we never before had the capability to destroy the whole world. But the fact of the matter is, that is not good science. That is not good science. Because if you take all of the atomic bombs that all of the nations have today, and you exploded them all at one time in one place, they would still not equal the total DNT power of, of certain volcanoes and certain earthquakes that have been recorded to happen in past history. And that did not destroy the world. That did not end the world. So, uh, let's get on board. Let's get, let's get on the ship. And let's start talking about things that are real and that are truth. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, yeah, there's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be rumors of war. Uh, there's going to be you know, men's hearts filling in for fear. And if you would just look back in history, you will see that going all the way back to Cain, that situation has been going on. So you could look, and, and there's been some incredibly, uh, when you start applying it per capita, uh, there has been some incredible uh, wars, violent wars, just absolutely uh, uh, wars without mercy, and and whole uh, cities and countries, uh, mothers, fathers, babies, children, just wiped out and burned out. So, um, come on, <laughs> you can't look back and say this is a sign. That's a sign. It's the end. That's a sign. It's the end. And 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 uh, uh, be honest about it, because that kind of thing, that sign's been going on, uh, going all the all the way back to Cain. So so that is not what Jesus was saying. He was saying those things are happening; they're going to continue to happen. And then he emphasized it when he said, "This is not the end. This is the beginning. We're just at the beginning of any possibilities of this." trip of longevity. Now in the meanwhile people will be living and dying. Living and dying. 
be here, be gone. Be here, be gone. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, we'll wonder, okay, you know, like, uh, of course, diesel, of course, by what, how some people explain it, well, they're the ones that are asleep in Christ. But there's really a controversy over those that are asleep in Christ and, and those that are not, because on the one side, um, we, we're told that uh, as soon as you die, bam, you go right to heaven, you, you join yourself meeting all your relatives. Then someone else says, well, not exactly. First you go into this uh, this uh, sleep and, and you're, whatever years it is until Christ comes, you're asleep in the grave and you won't rise until then. That's really confusion, confusion about that. Then we've got people that say, well, if, you're a, you know, if a baby dies, the babies immediately go to heaven. And they're immediately saved. They're immediately redeemed. Because they're a baby and they, they died. And and uh, uh, so, you know, if that is true, which it is not, if that is true, then it would be a fantastic thing instead of a, 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 a detriment and a horrible abomination uh, to, uh, you know, cause lives uh, to be taken by aborting them. Uh, if those babies are immediately guaranteed to go into heaven and that's eternal that's eternity wow that would truly be a case of being better off to be never born but that's not the way it is the way it is the bible says is that every person will get a time and every person will get a chance it's going to be equal and Jesus said when Peter said how many times do we forgive somebody we give them seven times he said seven times seventy and of course that was a particular number that tied in you know to to the revelation in Psalms about about the seventy to eighty thousand generations that is the covenant of Abraham the Abraham's bosom that God has allowed for God's people to get regenerated and to overcome so that they can become ophanims again I know some of these things you've begun to understand, you've heard, but we've got to talk about this because it's going to lead us into this whole subject, this gigantic subject tonight of how important it is. So, here we go. Now, we have this understanding that there is this opportunity of regeneration, of which the Bible tells us in Matthew that... Um, these children uh, that were alive during the time of Herod and during the time that the wise men came seeking out Jesus that when Herod felt that the wise uh, men had evaded him he issued orders to go out and have all of the children from one you know from a baby to a certain age to have them murdered to have them killed so he could be sure to eliminate uh, any competition to his job. And there was tremendous amounts of these people that were killed. But the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah that that was going to happen. It was already predicted and prophesied many, many, many years ahead of time. And the incredible vision and masterful thing about that prediction was it said that those people, those young people that had been killed, 
were going to be born again. They were going to be reborn. And they were going to then uh, come back from the very land that was um, involved uh, in supporting their death, which, of course, at that time was Rome. That's all in the Bible. And there are so many teachings available in the Bible of regeneration that it is just piles of the teachings from one end of the Bible to the other. Just absolutely. Okay. So then, that is so, that is so important to get that down. It's important to get that down that you may have lived before. You may not have lived before. You don't have to live more than one life. But the availability of that is there for anyone that has not finished his time and chance. And if you do live one life, two or three or whatever, and you finish it up, then you will be, like in the book of Revelations, like that angel who was a dignitary, who says, I'm one of you, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you, I'm a, you know, just another person just like you are, except I have this messenger job, and I'm coming to appear to you and tell you some of the understandings that you need to know regarding what the actual knowledge of these symbols and what the interpretation of them are. And you'll become like a, a, a dignitary, and there are, in this big universe, it's going to be unlimited. Now, I've heard for many, many years, you know, the people talking about the missionaries, get the missionaries out, uh, you know, get raised money, get money. I don't knock anybody that's, that's raising money because that has to be done. But I don't believe in making a commercial show out of it. I don't believe in going overboard on that. I have a real problem with that. It's too Babylonian-ish. And they say... You know, Jesus said, go out, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, you know, this gospel has to be preached to all the world before Jesus can come back. And we're holding Jesus back from coming until this gospel is preached. We've got to get our television and radio stations and send out our missionaries. And of course, at the rate that people are being born that have not heard, it's a continuum. Because right now, with the increase of population, there are so many vast numbers of people being born that have not heard based on that kind of interpretation. That is almost an improbability to guarantee that all of those people just born and growing up from in the childhood are going to have heard this gospel. So that's a real mix of confusion. Let's get on board, ladies and gentlemen. Paul had the right answer to that. Paul said, this gospel thing, have they heard? He said, absolutely they've heard. The Bible says that the sound went out to all of, of the world, to all the universe. And that there is no place that it did not go. And there's no one that did not hear this word. It's inscribed in every person's life. John, the gospel of John says, every person born is born in the light. They're born with that kingdom of God within them. And there's a reason for that because they are they are the Ophanims lost in this land of amnesia and this land of forgetfulness. So come on. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. 
when people say that thing about the sky being appreciated, they're not even understanding that that interpretation, that translation, is not what the Greek Bible says. It is not the dictionary, it is not the concordance translation of the Greek words that were spoken by Jesus. And you can check this out. You don't have to take my word. You go into the Bible and you check the word in many places, not in every place, but in many places where it mentions the word world, there are many places that the word world means cosmos. And cosmos is not earth that includes the earth. But cosmos is like the universe. So Jesus is saying, go out with this gospel and preach this gospel to the cosmos. Now, if that blows your little thingamajig of how you have things all lined out and figured out, and it's just too much for you uh, to burn that candle, then all I can tell you is, uh, you know, get down on your knees and pray for God to help you. Because that is the way that it is, and that is what it says, and you can look it up and prove it. That word is cosmos, and it's right in there. spelled with a K, but then you, you translate it, it becomes a C. That's because in the book of Isaiah, the, the Bible says, we are going to go into the, into the universe and plant them, plant the heavens from our experiences of the foundations of the earth. We're going to go out and plant the heavens. That is all part of the, of the plan. Jesus understood that. That's why Jesus said, you know, go out and preach this gospel to the cosmos. Now, once you see that truth, it blows the fuzz right off of the membranes of confusion. It rips out the pages that have been filled with false information. It opens up the seals and it causes the angels to kick up their heels in a dance of dances. This is the moment. This is the time. This is the opportunity. This is the day that God has made. The trumpets are sounding. The book is being opened. The thunders, the lightning is being revealed. What was heretofore understood as only noise, uninterpretable, is now suddenly being made understood as an acuity is coming to the ears of God's people and they are able to hear the soundings and the mysteries and the glories that have been hidden from the foundations of this earth. Blessed be the name of God. These are things we have to get out of the way. If we don't get this sorted out and get this out of the way, we start talking about Ziths and these spacecrafts that travel faster than the speed of light, you'll have the problems with it. You'll be saying, oh, that's fantasy. I can't believe that. But I want to tell you that it's not fantasy. It's real. And it's all part of what the Bible has taught. I have people say, yeah, well, you know, we're going to have the millennium. 
We're going to have the millennium, and it's going to be wonderful because Jesus is going to come back on earth, and he's going to reign, he's going to be the king, and he's going to reign, and it's going to be a thousand years, millennium. Well, you need to get that straight too. Jesus made it very clear that this earth and anything about it was not his kingdom. And he told his persecutor that if this earth's planet, if this was my kingdom, then my servants would fight. But this is not my kingdom, therefore my servants will not fight. That's what Jesus said. I believe him. But let me tell you what the Bible says, and this will probably blow a hole right in your shoe. The Bible teaches us that there's going to be a lot of regeneration going on. And people that have gone into captivity of the Jews, people that were elect but failed people of God, they're going to be regenerated. They're going to come back into the land. And one of the persons that's going to come back, Jesus said, is David. And he said, that's why David is not ascended. He is still here. He's not ascended. He's waiting for this time. He is not ascended. That's why Jesus said, do you understand what it meant when David said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou by my, at my feet until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Did you understand what that means? My Lord said to my Lord. We've got two lords here. That's because the key of David isn't finished. And Jesus, who is the root and the offspring of David, has not been giving, given the ultimate claim that belongs to him. The person that's going to come back for that thousand year period, which is not just in the meaning of a thousand years, a thousand years. Because, you know, a thousand years is a generation. And a thousand also happens to be the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is oxhead, aleph. And so that number, which is the number of Jesus, 1,000, has all kinds of significance and all kinds of spiritual intrigue, which we don't, don't have the time to go into tonight. <coughs> But the Bible says that David is going to be raised up again. Jeremiah 39, Ezekiel 37, 24 through 25, even starting before that in, in uh, Ezekiel. He's going to be raised up again. Hosea 3, 5. And as to that scripture about, Jesus, about David having not ascended, Acts 2, 34. Let's go over these scriptures again. Jeremiah 30, 9. Ezekiel 37, 24 through 25. Hosea 3, 5. Acts 2, 34. Even the traditionalists know 
that there are going to be people caught away into heaven and they're going to be with Christ and they're going to be celebrating and then they teach that then Christ is going to bring these people back and the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be on earth and then he's going to be reigning for that thousand years well I just don't want to knock everything that people are believing but the fact of the matter is is a lot of those things are just not totally correct now some will say well you just don't understand when it says David it means Jesus is that right I don't think so he's been called the son of David but I don't know of any place that he's been called David he's the root and the offspring And I think we need to understand when we look at the life of David compared to the life of Jesus Christ that David had a job to do to finish up his life. He had to be he needed to be regenerated. <clears throat> and the promise and the covenant that was given to him that there would never ever be anyone lacking from his throne must be fulfilled in this summation that is going to happen with him coming back and becoming uh, the king and and uh, uh, fulfilling this. It's not a job that, that, that Jesus wants. Paul said that if Jesus were to, to come back, he would not take on the office of a priest. And many of those priest kings is also something he would not be interested to take on. You want me to tell you the job that Jesus is interested in taking on? He said, what my father speaks, that's what I want to speak. What my father does, that's what I want to do. I came out from him and became this individual unity called Jesus Christ. But it is my lower self because my father, Scripture says this, is greater than I, Jesus Christ, am. He's greater. Jesus wants to recone with his father. He wants to join his father and be involved in the work of his father. So when you really begin to see the story, you begin to see that is really not what Jesus is interested in. And Jesus said, my servants, they're not going to fight just for the purpose of saving this kingdom. That would be like fighting to try to save hell. Because Tartaru is a kind of perdition which this planet is. If you look back in time, you just see you just see a whole earth world of suffering still going on. People dying all over the planet. Suffering, torturing, being tortured. So it says that's just so different. It's about time, huh? It's about time we had something different. There's all that other Jasmine has is not solving the riddle. Now we're talking about the fact that there's going to there's going to be three wars, and the first war is mentioned in Revelations 12. So let's let's just look at that and just read it briefly, as we we go over these three wars and talk a little bit about what they entail. 
Revelations chapter chapter 12 and it says quite quite clearly in verse 7 and there was war in heaven Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought at his angels now I've been preaching that in this war that Jesus did not enter that war and that the cherubims did not enter that war and that is correct but I know that there's been people since they've heard me preach that have got into Revelation and said oh no that you know he was wrong I can see here where Jesus is riding the white horse and there's his armies and he's he was there cherubims there too so you know this that uh, manifester he just uh, didn't get it all right well the manifester got it right because he received it by the Holy Spirit it's just that you didn't realize that this war that it's talking about here in the 7th verse of the 12th chapter of Revelation was the first war in heaven and there's a lot of things that happened out of that war It wasn't just simple Simon. There was a lot of respect still given to Lucifer. Because Lucifer still had the rank of an archangel. He's a powerful entity. Lived for billions of quadrillions of trillions of years. You don't just throw that down the drain, even if they make a mistake or sin. Especially when their transgression is with the idea that they want to be more like God. They just want it to happen faster. And they're not willing to follow the plan of the commission. So that was the first war. And the the ones involved in it was Michael and his angels. And they fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels. Those are the people that fought that war. And it says so right here in the 7th verse of the 12th chapter of Revelations. <clears throat> and this is the first this is the first war that is ever mentioned in the Bible about angels at war. It's the first war. Now, what happened? That war ended and um Lucifer in the 8th verse said did not prevail neither was there found neither was their place found anymore in heaven so now wherever that heaven is and the heavens or heaven where the next war takes place is not the same heaven because in the 8th verse it says Lucifer did not prevail and their place was not found anymore in the heaven they lost their first estate they were moved from the first estate described in Jude the angels and Lucifer wow 
very, 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 very important. Now, the extent of that is much deeper than I have the time to go in here today. So we have to understand <coughs> that there was a concept, an understanding that Lucifer had in where he had placed himself and the angels that were to be with him in a state of heaven that he was no longer allowed to maintain or retain that state of heaven. Now, in the ninth verse, it says, The dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil of Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast with him. <coughs> it's very, very important to understand that Lucifer was still respected. And Lucifer was cast down to earth and we don't really like to use the word cast down <coughs> because there's been some mistranslations of that word they use the same term in Daniel they use the same term in Daniel to talk about <coughs> when the ancient of days and the thrones were brought down to earth it said they were cast down to earth not differentiating in in revelations what was said by interpretation in Daniel <clears throat> so we see then that um, that is not a good word in the manifest Bible the proper word and we're not the only ones to come up with this in the way of translation is the thrones were positioned and Lucifer was deported to the earth and positioned. He was positioned. There, was, there were bounds that regarded him, what he could do, what he could not do. This particular state called heaven that he could not find a place anymore in, there was a bound there. He could not go back into that. That's for another teaching, another uh, explanation. But even before all that happened, Lucifer was already involved in this galaxy. He's already involved with the constellation Drago and Urja Minor because he was interested in taking over the plan of what had happened to Yabiel and what had happened to the Ophidims and the, and the things that they were involved in and he wanted the Bible says to be over all the stars over all the angels of heaven he wanted to be more like God <clears throat> okay now listen to this important alright now here's what we have We have the keys to the bottomless pit being handed to Lucifer after he loses this war. 
He has given the pit key, which we call the bottomless abyss of space. So he can have freedom in the whole Milky Way galaxy to operate as a prince of the air throughout the whole galaxy of space. But he's not given the right, except for the Earth and possibly the solar system, to be involved in any of the terra firma, the planets, the physical living locations that are potential. <coughs> and it's, it's right in the scripture, ladies and gentlemen. It is right clearly there. And it tells these very things that, that I am saying. And, um, and you just need to take the time and look it up. Um, the 20th chapter of Revelations, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He had control of this. He had control of the chain, the links, to a lot of different things. He had the key to this whole entire Milky Way space. It was given to him. And if you have any doubt about that, um, um, oh, wait a minute, I'm jumping ahead here. That's the second event. Wait a minute, sorry. Um, let's look at um, instead in um, a different location here. Um, here it is. Chapter 9, Revelations. This is the one that Satan's given the victory. Pardon me on that other off-key there I got onto. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven into the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now he could open it, and he did, and he, he did all this creation with the, with the locusts or the mantis. Uh, it's very, very clear when you read uh, the scriptures here uh, who it is talking about in the 11th verse and they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon but in the Greek tongue has his name Apollyon so we see that in the beginning this liberty now later it changes in chapter 20 and I saw an angel this angel is not now Lucifer or Satan this is like Michael or Gabriel, let's just say. And he's got this great power, and he's got this key over the bottomless pit, and there's a great chain in his hand, which is this chain of linking. And with these linkings, he can both set free and bind. And he takes a hold on the dragon, the old serpent, and he binds him for a thousand years. So, here is something that happens that has that happens at the end of Angel War Two. But in at the end of Angel War One, it is Lucifer who has charge of the key to the bottomless pit. But when this next war takes place, he loses that right and then ends up being put into bounds by the angels that won victory over him in chapter twenty. That is quite an incredible thing. 
Now, people said, well, is this, is this Angel War 2 over? Oh, no. Not for, not for probably thousands of years. Thousands of years? Oh, did you want it all to happen in your lifetime? You afraid that you're going to miss out on this hellish war that's going to be just full of suffering and terrible, terrible experiences? You, you want to get in on that? Come on. You may get your chance in one of the regenerations. I'm not plugging for you that for that to happen. But let's talk about this. Right now what is going on is there is a state of cold war. And it's an underground war. And it's a battle between the, the principalities and the powers of darkness. It is not a flesh and blood battle at this point. It is a battle for the minds of humanity. And these forces are, that are waging war are like the sons of light and the sons of darkness. The angels of light and the angels of darkness. Satan as a principality on one side, Yaviel as a principality on the other side. There is a war. One side, Yaviel saying, I love you. The other side saying, I hate you. And there is a war between these two different kind of mental notions. You might say, oh well, if he would say I hate you, there'd be nobody want to follow him. <laughs> That's what you think. That's what there's more nuts on this planet than you'd ever imagine. And the way that he says it, uh, a lot of people don't really have a choice. When you really read that it's already had predicted in Daniel and Revelations and other other books, it is already predicted that the saints are going to lose this this war. They're going to be overcome in this war. They're going to lose it. And it's after they lose this war, and they are they are trodden down, and they are under terrible uh, uh, captivity, that Jesus Christ, who had refused to partake in the first war because of his tremendous spirit of love, and he loved all of the angels, even the bad ones, and wanted all to be saved. But when these saints of God become under the tyranny of defeat, then Jesus is going to get on the white horse, which that's a ministry. And the armies of heaven, the armies of heaven are going to be gathered. And and they're going to be with him in this in this tremendous war uh, to overcome the forces of darkness. And you wouldn't have to do just a lot of reading to be able to to find these places in the scripture. Uh, I don't have time to quote all of them to you right now, but they're they are clearly in the scripture and you should easily you should easily be able to find them. But the army of God is then going to be is going to come forth. And um, now this war uh, two let's see where that starts. Turn with me to Revelations twelve again.
And in Revelations 12, it talks about Satan has come down to the earth. The woman, which was the woman queen that represented the Ophanims, has come down to earth. And in verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is where the second war of the angels begins to take place. And while the intentions of Lucifer is to not be in direct conflict with the angels that he was defeated by, but rather take advantage of these people that are angels uh, in the subduction zone of, of matter, having taken on human bodies and having lost their memories, which included the knowledge of all the great power of their angelship. He wants to come against them and defeat them. And there are scriptures that make it clear that, that he does. And that is where world, the, the, that is where the Angel War 2 begins. Chapter 12, verse 17. So important. So very, very, very important. So, so important to understand how the, all these things come together and how that there is a plan. And <clears throat> we, can, we can see from, from the scripture that as in this World War II, as the forces of Satan begin to come against the saints of God, and believe me, they, had, they haven't even begun to come against him to the plan that they will eventually. That in chapter 17, verse 14, it says, And they shall make war with the Lamb, but the Lamb shall overcome them. So we see everything here is, is written. There is a time in which eventually as they come, they make war from the Lamb. Not war from the Lion, because Jesus is also the, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. But war from the Lamb, which the Bible says was slain before the foundations of the world. The Lamb that, that gives up his life for those he loves. That's what he's coming against. And that's when he runs into trouble. And, and Jesus, Jesus gets involved. And we see that in chapter 19 of Revelations, verse 11, And I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now Jesus is getting involved. In verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen. And there where you see the Bible is specific. The Bible is clear. There is where this war uh, continues and where this begins to involve 
uh, Jesus. He finally says, okay, okay, uh, Satan, you've gone as far as I'm going to allow you. I'm very sorry that you are losing your soul. I'm very sorry that you have failed. But I'm going to stand up for the orphanims. I'm going to stand up for my people. And now I'm declaring war on you. I'm declaring war. And that's exactly what happens. And he has armies, armies, which Jesus said when he was on the cross. Don't you understand? I have 12 legions of angels that all I'd have to do is call them and bam, they would be here. Oh, there's so much to understand. So much to take in in this revelation of what all these things are about. Blessed be the name of God. Hallelujah. Alright, now, so now we see where the second war. Now, how long is this second war going to last? Oh, well, we have the time, the times, and the half times. Now, the times involved that first war. And that went on for a long time. The times is involving this second war. And when you read all the things that are going to happen and everything that's going to occur, um, generations are going to pass. You're going to be talking a long time because this 70, 80,000 years that's all part of Abraham's covenant is all part of that times, time, times and a half times. So, this war is being spread over these 70, 80,000 years of time for the, for the second war, and then part of that, then uh, we'll go into the third war, which will finish up the whatever thousands of years that takes to finish it up and, and in conclude the finality of, of the 70, 80,000 years of Abraham's uh, uh, bosom covenant. So, someone says, well, I'm not used to it happening like that. I, I'm used to just being a war and, and someone wins, someone loses, and it's done. <coughs> you cannot compare a total, total solid um, physical war with a, with a war that is involved also with the forces of the spirit this is a much more pertinent and much more dangerous kind of war and uh, it is something that when you start getting into the spirit kingdom and the spirit world you <coughs> do not have the same relativity to time 70,000, 80,000 years is nothing. Nothing. Like a breeze blowing across the tip of your nose. It's nothing. So, once you get this down, you understand we're going to be busy people. We're going to be regenerated. We're going to be coming back. We're going to be involved in either being back into uh, human bodies, finishing out our overcoming, or coming back as messengers to help other people. And this is going to be going on during this whole 70, 80,000 uh, generations, you know, all this time. 
and and we haven't even hardly scratched that. And it's all Bible, lots and lots of Bible for it. I've given you many of the scriptures before. I can't repeat them every time, every uh, teaching, because we we never never get through it. Okay, so that's what's going to go on now during that war, uh, as Lucifer has the advantage of all the space of the galaxy. Uh, he is going to create these locusts or uh, or mantis, and these mantis, uh, their very name means prophet or praying. Praying mantis means, but they do mean, you know, and both kinds of of of, of pray and and prayer type, <laughs> that type of prayer and praying have been ways that they spell that. But the thing of it is, is that these mantis are going to have the capability to not, they're not for the purpose of killing people, but they have this poison in their tails that, and there's a different meaning to that than just tail, but let's not try to tell you the whole story right now. And it's for the purpose of affecting people's minds. And they're going to be able to affect people's minds to the point that people wish that they were dead. They, they won't even want to live. But then eventually they'll pass from that. It's all part of the mind wars. It's all part of the system. And and uh, there's going to be a tremendous war with these with these uh, uh, huge number of um, of mantis that they're going that he's, that that Lucifer will create. Not to mention the robots, uh, not not uh, to to mention uh, the various other kind of um, of creatures um, that that will be created, and uh, it, it it is uh, it is so important um, when you hear people talking about flying saucers and the occupants, and they'll talk about this little man that that has uh, you know. Hardly any mouth and two little holes for a nose and big head, and they try to describe that as being the aliens. Those are not the aliens. Those are either robots or androids, and they are not the aliens. And there's something you have to understand. It's very important. There are only going to be two kinds of aliens on these ships right now that you're going to be running into. Not that there aren't other situations in the whole universe but for the foreseeable long future you're going to be talking about the aliens that actually are originally from this earth who were taken up at the time of the flood who were raptured and taken uh, to the father's house and become the other sheepfold which Jesus said I have sheep that are not of this fold and to them belongs the ministry of, of Melchizedek and Enoch. And when you begin to understand that, those were originally humans. And Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be that same way again. And he goes on through his description after he tells about the effects of the Noah thing and says, you know, you know, the angels are going to come just like they did in the days of Noah. And they're going to Angels are going to gather up 
the people and take them to safety. And there'll be two in a mill, or two in a bed, or two in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. And he says, as it was in the days of Noah, that's how it happened in the days of Noah. It's going to also happen again in this descriptive of time that he's talking about. So we know by that scripture and by that teaching of Jesus that there was a rapture that took place and we know that the person that was raptured and that belonged to that group was Enoch and his offspring. And they were raptured, they were taken up and saved from the flood. And then there was allowed to be eight persons saved who were to be used for repopulation on earth. So the aliens are actually going to be human beings that once lived here on the planet. But believe me, they are much, 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 much more advanced scientifically and spiritually than the people on earth. It's all Bible. As you begin to see this truth and you begin to put this together, it is the most astounding thing that can ever be imagined. And it's beautiful. And then the other kind of aliens, which will not be in the in the the uh, special kind of craft like the Zis, that that are the good craft, but will be in the the Zams and the Zaps, are going to be the Mantis people. And uh, you know they're they're going to have different shapes. It says they're going to look like a man. They're going to have they're going to have long hair like a woman. Their face is going to be a face of a human. And all the paraphernalia that's about them is basically a description of the armored vehicle that they are going to be driving in. <coughs> and Lucifer created these creations by taking spirit energy from those entities that were cooned with him. Cooned in the sense that their spirit became totally subject and submitted to the spirit of Lucifer. So co-un, C-O, slash, not slash, C-O, hyphen, U-N-E, is the state of being one enemy, one entity, is the state of being one entity, although of collective entities becoming a mini-one, a super-entity. And Lucifer, like the Father, like Jesus, has been co-owned. And he took some of those entities and he used them <coughs> in a special plan using syntonic energy to recreate and create these mantis people which became his offspring and that is all part of this second war of the angels it's going to include now I could show you a whole book of information on that but I'm not ready to do that right now we're just trying to share this information with you in blogs and in these um, these audio teachings that we're doing and there's only so much time, only so much print that we have available. But eventually, you'll be able to get some of these books 
the Peace Bible, uh, some of these different books, and um, the uh, Book of Star Rise, which uh, includes the revelation of the Cosmocrator. That is an extremely interesting story of a force, a powerful person in a force that is made from laminated sperm of several different uh, top saints and agents and becomes an incredible uh, persecutor of the people that believe in the Holy Manifest. That's in the, the book of the Star Eyes, which we hope before long to be able to publish. It is an exciting time. It is a moving time. And God is moving by His Spirit, moving across all the land. So, all of that will be going on. Now, people say, yeah, but what about, what about all of these things about the, the beast and the ten horns and, and uh, the seven heads and the seven horns? Well, read the blog that I put on today. Read that blog. Uh, it is a sensational blog and it's called Divine Tools for Understanding the Bible. That was put on today uh, and it is, believe me, an eye-opener and it has a tremendous amount of revelation and uh, it, it, it's going to show you a lot of things. People, people don't understand that <coughs> this Bible that we have, people that received prophecies, people that received divine word, people that gave out this word didn't know that according to Paul's revelation that they only knew in part and were prophesying in part. And they were representing God as they understood a part. But it was only a part. God well understood that it was only a part. And that such persons as that were representing him not only in actions but also in word and deed. But he made it so that when this word came forth it was charged with codes. And the part that was a part contained in it the DNA, so to speak, of the part that was not a part. Of which Paul said, when that part, which is a part, is done away with, then we'll have that part to where we'll be able to go on into perfection. And that is all there and available. And as we start making that more and more available, then we begin to see things clearly. And the mysteries peel away. And the Word of God fills all of the house where we are sitting and feeling and thinking and hearing and seeing. It fills it all. And that is what is on the, the, the very verge of happening because the Bible is clear that, that He is going to, that God is going to manifest and bring to manifestation uh, everything. There's going to, in the end, be nothing hidden. It's all going to be manifested. And that's all having to do with coming into the pure language of God and coming into this revelation clarity so that we are able to see these things not by the part which is a part of that negative aspect of ours but the part which is a part of that spiritual aspect of ours. And that is glorious and that is beautiful. 
But when we get in the Bible and we read something about now there was this emblem of a bear and a leopard and this emblem of uh, of a goat or this emblem of an animal of a certain type. Uh, don't don't glue yourself into that because the nation a uh, hundred two hundred years ago that was represented by the goat. May in another hundred or two hundred or a thousand or two thousand years be far passed away, almost unheard of, and be using that same symbol, but it be representing something that is all contained within the Bible, because the Bible is a living Bible. It's a living book, and it has the capability of, of a continuum of spiritual information and data and knowledge coming forth that includes that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. So that it is a cycle of all these things. And when we can begin to understand, when we, when we can begin to understand that this whole message of the Bible is based on that important aspect, that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. Because in that which was, and that which was, includes who we used to be, where we came from, who we were. Who are the mortals, the Bible says, that thou art mindful of them? Well, there's something about this. What is it? Well, that's all available in the, in the what was. And then there's the revelation of what is. And then there's the revelation of what is to be. And that is how you have to understand the Bible. All these symbols and so forth, they've got different applications, physical applications, spiritual applications and time applications and they vary with time and placement and people say well you know these these kings they, 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 they already were and this king was that person and this king and that king and the Bible says in the 17th chapter of Revelations those ten kings of the beast none of them have ever yet had a kingdom there are that they are given which means their time to do their work has never been rendered to them yet. And that's all the way up to the time that the book of Revelation was written. So how do people expect, based on that, that they can ascribe to all these different kings and things? That does not mean that there is not some application where it specifically in the Bible names Persia or Babylon, that there is not then an ascribed application to those particular senses or to those particular nations. But understand, the deeper part of it is, for instance, let's take Babylon, and you can take Persia too, you know, which is now Iran, that those applications way, way, way back then are still living applications that go on in time and that apply to other situations that affect future uh, um, generations of people. So that we see that the, that the Babylon that was supposed to be destroyed and end uh, is still alive and it's mentioned uh, uh, way late in the in the given scriptures of revelations of how that is suddenly going to in one day meet a calamity and is suddenly this great nation this city of the world is going to have this catastrophe befall it so we see these things are going on and on and on and on and and so these people that go out there and they get into this swear to God that here's the interpretation and this is a fact and it can't be anything else those people 
you know, they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even have a dream because they're too much in the gutter of their ideas. And, and I'm here preaching this word and I'm telling this word and speaking it out into to, to the waves of space that it is time for people to hear this word and get into this word and become uh, a repentant of, of that loss of time like the post that I did that speaks about, you know, the, 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 the distance uh, becoming a, a, a lost value uh, to a person. It, it, there's, a, there's a distance of time uh, that can be created in which you actually have a loss. So those things are all worth reading and looking into. So then the second war of the angels is still going on. It will continue to go on for years and years and years and years and years and the the there could be there'll be some raptures that'll happen in, in the meanwhile there'll be some wars the tribulator will be involved there isn't just going to be one tribulation and one tribulator no more uh when, when um, a person one time a missionary was talking about the tribulation that's going to come on the earth and he was sort of reading some of that to a fellow in, in a foreign country, this fellow said, why? He said, we've been in that very tribulation that you're mentioning. We've been in that for years. He said, that is not new to us. We have suffered horribly. We've been in that tribulation. And there is a truth to that. That tribulation has been going on, just like I said, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. and there, There'll be all these things, but th this is the Tartaru, and those things are in the continuum. And there will always be the poor. There will always be wars. There will always be rumors of wars. There will always be famines. There will always be men's hearts failing them for fear. So, <clears throat> let's get that down and understand that we have to get a broadened mind and a broadened perspective. And that this world, uh, this war of the angels too, is going to go on and on and on. Now, let's look at, at just roughly, let's look at uh, the third war. Let's just talk a little bit about what is the third war. What, what exactly is that? Okay, if you would turn with me in your Bible um, to um, Revelations 20. We're going to look at this third war of the angels. Now at the end of, of war two of the angels, we see in verse one of chapter 20 that a great angel comes down and binds uh, Lucifer, Satan, and takes away from him his privilege of having the key to the this uh, abyss of space of the galaxy, <coughs> of the Milky Way galaxy. Now, very important to understand that and get that down. And then we see that there's a seal put upon him. He's put under bounds. His, his bounds now are much more limiting than they were after the a Angels' War number one. Now after Angels' War number two, they are much more severe, the bounds, the limits, the seal that is put upon him. And he is bound for the thousand years. Uh, 
call it whatever you want. Um, but you certainly have to give a certain one credit to Lucifer, Satan, and some of his agents. They obviously have eternal life because even though they spend a thousand years in the bottomless pit, they come out of it and they're ready to start another war. They're very much alive. And then they've been going on and involved in things for thousands and thousands and thousands of years before that. So they obviously have this eternal life <coughs> and they are quite involved in being able to continue and go on. And, uh, and that's why it's so important to have to look at these entities and understand that there is a continuum of life there. And they are continuing with their work and they are living thousands of years to be able to do it. <coughs> that also applies to Jesus Christ and his longevity. Okay. So, when verse 7, when the thousand years are, are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And here's what he's going to do. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, the four winds of the earth, the four rivers, the four kinds of humankind, the Gihon, the Pison, the Hedekel, the Euphrates people, the four rivers, genetic rivers, the four winds. And he's going to begin to to gather the Gog and the Magog together to battle. The number whom is as the sand of the sea. Now, I suppose if you said the sand of the sea, and that is applicable to only one particular um, sea, that might help reduce the numbers considerably. But nevertheless, the sand, even of one sea, if you were to put it in a numerable sense, would be so vast that if you took the square footage of what a human being takes up standing on the earth, and there were human beings made with such prolific numbers that they equaled the sands of the sea of which it is describing here, there would not most likely be a standing place left on the planet earth for others to stand. So the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven as referred to a application of, of numbers is of a far greater revelation than that alone. We don't have time to get into that right now. But it is interesting. But the thing that is interesting is this Gog and Magog. These creatures are, you know, barely mentioned in most of the Bible. And they go way, way back so anciently in, in time that you have to really look in Chronicles and, and Kings and to, re to really get an idea of <clears throat> any initial time that as human beings they were alive or as entities they were alive. Now, suddenly, Lucifer gets out of the bottomless pit and he is ready to create another war. 
And he's obviously been planning and thinking about it, very likely even sending out mind signals. And he is able, even after being bound, whatever this thousand years is, remember what I told you about the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, <coughs> Elif, and the ox head, and its representation, and the, it, the thousand being the number of Christ. And, and the thousand is important because, you know, none of the the persons whose uh, longevity was recorded were able to reach the thousand years. Adam came within 70 years of the thousand. But the thousand years represents something very important. And <coughs> it has a fulfillment. And there are many, many applications and meanings to that. All right. Now, this vast array of Gog and Magog, let's go to the not finished copy, but the rough copy of um, of the Peace Manifest Bible. And let's just look at um, some of the scriptures here that it talks about Gog and Magog in Ezekiel. Okay. Let's start with uh, chapter 38 of Ezekiel. And we're going to be reading the MIV, which is the Manifest Peace Bible. 38.1 Then the word of the Lord came to me regarding the principalities who were assigned to represent the archangelship of the chief prince Lucifer the Satan, who took positions to influence whole nations. Ezekiel 38.2 And the Lord said, Set your mind against this Gog, the Transformer, who by title in one instance appears as nations of people, and in the other instance is transformed and personified as a prince. Beware and prophesy against this one, for Gog is not of the usual kind. Now, in the King James Version, it says, Son of man, set thy face against the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. But Meshach and Tubal have meanings. So when those meanings are translated and put into the language of, uh, of, of the article, then there becomes an extended meaning of what the prophecy in the scripture of God is really telling. Ezekiel 38.8 And many... Yom's, after many Yom's, your forever living self shall rise from its forever living transformings, O Gog. Your eyes shall search among the fallen Ophanim, veiled messengers, who are now trapped in matter of mortal bodies. You shall particularly search for the Destinata, whom the name Israel metaphors. You despise these destinata because they have rejected you. And even your great strength has not prevented them from rising out of their unconsciousness to seek reunion with God. 
your plan to destroy the destinata and all persons or nations that metaphor them but they are protected and you know it not now in the King James it puts it like this after many days thou meaning Gog and Magog shall be visited in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have been always waste but is brought forth out of the nations and they dwell safely all of them you see this thing about Gog and Magog is just not a little simple writ there's some deep 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 and relevant prophecies and insights and revelation in the Bible about Gog and Magog which represent the forces that Lucifer is going to muster and going to use equal to the sand of the sea in number to come against and conquer the forces of Christ and the, and the good angels so that he in this final war of conflict might be able to bring about his wish, his plan, his dream. Ezekiel 38.9 MIV Manifest Bible Your plan will be to proxy Israel the metaphor of the destinata to destruction in an extensive aerial and land assault. You will come transformed as to the cause of religion from sky's end and from land's end like a storm of locusts you will come and in the King James it says thou shalt ascend and come like a storm you shall be like a cloud to cover the land thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. It's all about the Gog and the Magog. Are you hanging in there? Are you hearing this message, people? Ezekiel 38:16. In that far time dispensation, in that far time dispensation on the planet Earth, when you come as a swarm of locusts to destroy the Destinata proxy, you will fail. But I, the Lord, will be sanctified in the eyes of the unlearned when they see your ever, when they see your evil side, O Gog. Wow. And in the King James, and thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. And it shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land and that the heathen may know, may know me when I shall be sanctified. O in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. 38.17 of Ezekiel. O Gog, are you not the one of anterior beginnings that I spoke about to my messengers, servants, the prophets, and seers, saying in the latter times you would come against the defenders of Israel? Wow. These, these, these Gog and Magogs, they're ancient. They're ancient because the manifest tells that they belong to the Alpha Ages. They belong to a time of creation in which 
they lived and failed before the universes were ever started to begin called the Alpha Ages Ezekiel 39.1 Therefore hear me humankind I am against Gog and hear me Gog I am against you O Gog O Gog chief prince of Meshach and Tubal Gog is spelled G-O-G Ezekiel 39 Defender of Humanity Ezekiel son of man speak to Gog the principality imaged from worlds past chief prince of the Meshach and Tubal and say the Lord I am is against you wow and one more verse oh maybe there's a couple or so Ezekiel 39 2 therefore Gog when your image is regenerated from the depths of the sixth dimension to be used against God's proxy Israel of the destinata I will expose your secrets until they stand as leaning towers therefore Gog when your image is regenerated from the depths of the sixth dimension to be used against the leaders of God's defenders I will expose your secrets and this is all talking about that time when these energy dots will reveal these mysterious things that happened universes ago and even before the universes and final for now Ezekiel 39.2.1 O God, mystery of iniquity when you come with your crowd of deceived and programmed followers they will rise from every wind every corner of the earth with glee but when they come against the elevated minds mountains of God defenders their accelerated spirits shall be quelled and only their mortalness will remain wow it's exciting the word of God is exciting there is so much now when this third war happens we are now in that time period and it will stretch over thousands of years but it will be in the last part the latter part as the scriptures predicted of this 70 80,000 year moratorium in which the Ophidim are given the opportunity for regeneration and overcoming and there is so much to understand how important in its application to us but especially being able to settle in our minds this thing on time and not get caught in those scenarios that believe me many great men have gotten caught in that including great ministers and popes and priests who have made predictions about the coming of Christ and the end of the world and you could go back and see dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these predictions by these very deep Christian devoted people that was based on their information and they made the prediction of when they thought the end of the world or the coming of Jesus Christ would be and they wrote it and they told it 
and it failed. It failed because it was false information and it lacked the understanding of the revelation that we are teaching you here today. This incredible, super challenging, vital opening chalice of virtual reality and actual reality of peace and love and empowerment by the Holy Ghost. Yes. There has been one war, one angel's war. There is another war going on as a cold war in the underground. Eventually, one day, maybe hundreds, thousands of years from now, it will explode into the actual war. In the meanwhile, things are happening out there in the skies. People are seeing what they call UFOs and flying saucers. Some of these sightings are just absolutely trash. They're not worth nothing. But there are some sightings that are real. And these people that think that they have been visited by aliens want to be very sure they know what they're talking about by understanding it from this revelation. Because this revelation is absolutely correct. And not only am I speaking from the sense of of the revelation as given by Gabriel to me, but I'm also speaking from personal experiences that I and my family have had with these UFOs, which we call this, and with these persons that are the messengers of those chariots of fire that bear the message of the gospel and that have such a terrific and beautiful job to do. Yes, I'm proud to be a part of that part, which is a part of that wonderful, wonderful revelation. So that is the end of the message, just as long as we need to go. Couldn't possibly cover it all. We're not really going into the detail of all these wars and all the things that will happen, but you get the idea. And if you can begin to understand, especially, you should get on there as soon as possible. And please make comments. You know, sometimes I wait on a blog. A blog that's only had just a few comments. I don't go on to the next blog because there's not enough comments and I just feel like, hey, there's not enough interest. Just wait and give it time for there to be shown enough interest. And when I get enough comments, then I go on to the next blog. So some of you people might be guilty as causations for causing me or, or inciting me to drag out the more often potential of these blogs being printed and told if I just had a little bit more input and a little bit more um, operation by your side of it even if I said before if you came on and you just said I witnessed this message you didn't have to give a big long poetic summation just I witnessed this message it shows you're there 
there was a gentleman that came on that I've known for years, and he said, I'm writing this comment just to show you that I'm, I'm with you, I'm backing you on the ministry. And I certainly do appreciate that. I certainly do tell you now I'm thankful of that. And I want to express my thanks to you people that have been uh, helping us financially. Uh, God knows. I mean, we had to take two of these computers back and we had to go out and buy a, a new computer that that even though we got the money back from those first two computers, it cost us over $1,000 to get this new computer extra. Plus, we still have to buy more software for it. But, you know, I thank God for the money that people have sent in so that we have that available to go in to put against purchases and things like this we need to keep this word coming to you. I really appreciate you, and I thank you so much. God bless you. Now, let's take the time to do some Gentile. Um, uh, today, uh, I, I want to deal with people uh, who are fighting uh, MS. And there's a lot of people out there that are fighting that. And I want to deal with that uh, by dealing with the solar plexus, the nervous system, um, and, and deal with it in a special way. I want to um, tell you first, though, that I am not a doctor, and that in no way do we at any time put down uh, the medical society, the nurses, the doctors, the hospitals, the clinics, or the pharmaceutical out outfits. Uh, we have received um, this Gentile, which is abbreviation of two words, Gen for generations, and Tau for touch generative touch and it is the idea of speaking to your brain and giving this message into your brain uh, which is uses, uses an energy that leaves no fingerprints therefore when the brain receives it it does not know that it's not its own brain giving the orders for its body to react and there has been tremendous healings that have resulted from this and it just seems to be growing so we're dealing with MS uh, God bless you. Uh, here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, to the sympathetic neurotransmission systems. Begin to send messages through the corpus callosum to all of the various hemispheres. Uh, begin to send messages uh, into the return system, uh, up the spinal, and uh, and through the course of um, the various uh, plexus of the nervous system especially dealing uh, with aspects related to the solar plexus that connects to major nerve systems uh, to deal with this MS problem that is rampant and despairing and, and de deteriorating of people's lives hypothalamus to the pituitary pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid you are aware now, you are aware of this message and body, you have this corporate responsibility uh, to not only for your sake and yourself, but for others to receive this message into your body. And if you are a victim of MS, to receive healing and be able to pass that message on. Hypothalamus to pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to lymphatic gland, begin to send messages to the hormones. Begin to send messages for the hormones to tone in 
to the proper color, the proper dimension and size, so that they perfectly fit as a key to the receptors, to the hundreds and hundreds of receptors in the body that may be connected to the sneed. Send many messages to the lymphatic gland for purifying the blood system, removing toxins that may may uh, serve as inhibitors and blockers, and begin to deal in the middle sense by opening the bhutan uh, that is at the end uh, near where the synaphis uh, passes. Begin to deal with this energy uh, to go forward and circulate through in the entire body, picking up wherever necessary whatever nutrients, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, electrolytes that are important to pass on. Begin to deal with the system of the body that converts um, uh, various signals uh, into energy and, and chemical equivalent and disperses those into the body parts that need them as elements. Begin all of those processes with specifically the importance of putting these signals into the body and healing the people with MS that are suffering from that disease and to eradicate it it is totally and wholly and to energize these messages that are recorded to pass on and on and on for the healing of such people if there's any inhibitors if there's any blockers or messages anti to what has been said they are now cancelled may God bless you May God be with you. May His Spirit keep you. May His love shine upon you. Blessed be the name of Jesus watching you broadcast